0: Since 1983, Copenhagen Modern Furniture has showcased Austin's largest collection of fine contemporary furniture and accessories. Now at Copenhagen, save $500 on any stressless signature or leg comforter recliner model. For more ways to save, shop online at copenhagenliving.com or visit the showroom on Breaker Lane. Copenhagen Modern Furniture, Austin's premier destination for everything contemporary since 1983.
1: We take these problems home, we sleep on them and we wake up in the middle of the night going,
2: Eureka, I figured it out. I figured out how to make crab legs. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to I Love You So Much, the podcast about the people, places, and things we love about Austin. Our podcast is from the features staff at the Austin American Statesman, and we're sponsored by Copenhagen Furniture. I'm Kristen Finan, a features and travel writer, and in this week's episode, we're talking about one of Austin's most beloved events, the Zilker Summer Musical. With us is Jennifer Rose Davis, costume designer for this year's musical, which is The Little Mermaid. She chats with us about what it's like creating costumes for the Texas heat, how to make crab legs, and why this musical is a rite of summer in Austin. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming in to join us today. Oh, well,
1: thank you for having me, Kristen. This is really exciting for me.
2: How has this week been going? Um,
1: Well, of course, you know, we're in the the run-up to opening night, so there's so much work and so little time, and uh, it's it's very stressful, but we are doing amazing things, and, um, you know, something new and beautiful happens every day, and we get to see it on stage that evening. And I think we're gonna have uh, I think we're gonna have a great night tonight with everything in place. And then uh, for opening tomorrow, it's gonna be terrific.
2: Now, tell us a little bit about your background. How does one become a costume designer?
1: Um, well, so typically, one becomes a costume designer by going through um, a design program at a university. For instance, um, uh, the University of Texas has an incredible costume design and technology program and a lot of the really good people who work in this area have gone through that program um i kind of came to this uh in a weird backwards way (laughs) in that um this is actually not my training uh my training was as a graphic designer and um You can see examples of that in the poster for the Zilker Summer Musical because I actually did their poster as well as doing their costuming. Oh, my goodness. Um, And uh, I got into theatrical costuming because I was working – I was doing reenactment, like um, historical reenactment for fun with a group that did Renaissance, you know, like you go out to the Renaissance Fair. fair. Oh, my goodness. Um, And they decided to start a theater troupe and do Shakespeare within this little – renaissance reenactment society and so i basically started you know doing music and costuming for their little group and it became bigger and bigger and they took the group uh professional basically they became uh their baron's men which is uh they still do stuff out on uh at the curtain theater on lake austin and uh i started working uh when people saw the things that i had done for them I started being invited to do things, uh, to do costuming for the general theater community here in Austin. And I thought, wow, I can actually get paid for doing this. And so it was kind of a, uh, a natural transition to doing bigger and better things for more people in Austin.
2: Wow. So when did you start doing more of the larger productions?
1: So really about uh, eight to ten years ago, I kind of moved out of the, the small a community theater group and into doing uh, bigger and bigger things. And um, this Zilker uh, job is by far the largest thing that I've ever done by like five times.
2: (laughs) Now talk to us about that because, of course, this year's production is The Little Mermaid, which is extremely buzzy. Everyone has been talking about it anyway because of the live action film. And then if you think in terms of a costume standpoint, that seems like a pretty huge job so it's already a buzzy production and then you're in charge of all of those costumes so what is that like i mean going into it were you kind of making maps of every costume or how does that process work um well so
1: basically when you start out a design well I, when i start out a design i really like to do a lot of research about what other people have done not everyone does some people prefer to come to it fresh but i like to see what's possible And so what I actually did was do a ton of research about every other Little Mermaid I could find out there, you know, just to see what, you know, people had been able to make work. And um, then uh, you go through and you do sketches for each character. And in this particular show, it was actually more renderings than I had done for any show that I've ever done. You know, I did probably about 35 renderings. And I almost rendered every character in the show. Oh, my Um, God. Which (laughs) was, you know, a a considerable time commitment in and of itself. But it was very helpful when we got into doing builds because, um, of course, when you're doing this show, you know, you can't really go to the store and, you know, buy a costume for Ursula (laughs) (laughs) um, that will work for this. Um, And so, you know, we really end up having to do a lot of... um, create a lot of costumes from almost nothing and do a lot of creative thinking about how we could take things that we could buy and then make them better and reuse them in our own context. Um, So um, that was a a huge challenge. And then once you have the rendering stage uh, done and you have discussed each costume with the director, then you go into, there's a whole lot of planning. You know, I have like a, It's almost a twenty page spreadsheet of all the different elements that we bought and combined to make things and where we bought them from. Um and then, you know, you also have build lists and, you know, you have to work out quick changes and timing and things like this. So there's a huge amount of back end paperwork that goes along with being a costume designer. You know, it's not all just about the glory of you make pretty drawings and you get people to make them. Oh, I get it. Um, We took uh, a fabric buying trip to Dallas um, because there's not a lot of resources here in Austin for finding some of the unique fabrics that we needed for the show. Um, So basically, uh, my shop manager, Virginia Eagle, and I uh, uh, took a road trip to Dallas and to the uh, Dallas Faber Market to buy most of our um, supplies and fabrics because that would save the company money wow and um also we'd have more um selection mm-hmm. and we did you know we we ended up getting you know 90 of the fabric for this show for an incredibly low amount of money because we were able to do that and then you know there's also a whole bunch of uh personnel uh back in because at least for this particular company the costume designer actually ends up hiring the staff as mm-hmm. well and so, you know, you have to pick your people and you have to make sure they have the right skills that you need. And then you have to manage those people to get the whole project done. And that's not true for every shop. But because this is a shop that only exists in the summer for
2: this musical, it, that, those responsibilities fall on the costume designer as well. What are some of the more unique items that you incorporated into some of the costumes? So there's actually um, uh, a bunch of leather
1: That's actually used in the costumes. Um, So we actually have like the little seagulls have beaks that are made out of leather. And Triton has a beautiful breastplate that's made out of leather because I'm also a leather artisan.
2: Oh, wow. And so I was a handy uh, second hobby (laughs) to incorporate. Uh, Well, I make
1: these beautiful leather masks. And so it's just a medium that I know really well. And I've used it in previous uh, shows that have been done at this park that I've done. um, I never have designed a show for them before, but I've done piecework. Uh, of making things for them before and so I've made them masks that they've used before so I know that it survives the heat Hmm. and so we were able to just make you know this incredibly uh, elaborate elegant breastplate for uh, King Triton Um, and you know all these fun little elements to add them and then we also have you know we have some huge challenges in that you know we made um, this basically giant tentacles for Ursula And we had this huge challenge in making them uh, light enough that she could actually maneuver them and move in them. And um, so we had this, what are we going to stuff them with? Because if you use like traditional batting, like you'd find in a stuffed animal, it's too heavy and she can't move.
2: And having seen them, and the way you described it, and seeing them on set the other day, I mean, literally, they are the size, each tentacle is like the size of a thigh. Yes, well, you know, we just didn't
1: want the tentacles to be an afterthought. Right. Because this is really about who she is. And, you know, if you watch the movie, I mean, they're huge. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so we really wanted to get that same feeling of, you know, this is an incredibly important part of her. You know, it's almost her entire lower body. And um, so we did. We made them really, really large, and then we ended up stuffing them with, um, you know, all these crazy things. Like um, we we had several different experiments, but we, you know, we were trying plastic bags and styrofoam peanuts, and we finally came up with a whole um, uh, um, a whole scheme of how to make this tentacle to where it would be light enough. And she actually, it's amazing. She can work this whole rig of things and make it do incredible things. And you'll really enjoy watching it in the park. It's, it's, just, it's kind of magical, actually.
2: Wow. You mentioned, I mean, it's a total of how many costumes that you had to execute. So we had
1: to um, have 100. And, there's 106 costumes in this particular uh, incarnation of the show because we have a very large chorus. Um, and so we have a lot of multiples. Um, and so it, it was a real challenge because, of course, we, had a very, we have a very small shop. Um, So we don't have a lot of people working for us. And if you have to build all of those costumes from scratch, I mean, we'd still be working on it two years from now. Oh, my goodness. And so we had to really think and plan uh, things like, okay, we have 19 seagulls on stage. We can't make 19 seagull outfits. What can we do to take uh, existing, existing pieces we can buy and modify them to make them look like what we want them to look like so that we can make 19 of them. And mm-hmm. so we, had, we have some really creative solutions that we've come up with, things like
2: that, to be able to take on this enormous challenge. Wow. One of the things you had mentioned in terms of challenges also, just to piggyback on that, when we were speaking the other day was about how your actors keep losing weight because of the heat (laughs) and you are they're all shrinking what is that like and what's been your experience
1: um well so i mean usually it's not a huge problem with shows because um you know when you're doing indoor shows you know an actor may change size but it's usually only one person but no in this show pretty much everybody has lost at least an inch of water (laughs) weight since we started the process and uh so for um uh, a lot of the sea creatures their kind of base that we're building on top of is a unit heart and that's not a big deal because those stretch but particularly for Ursula you know with her tentacles and her skirts we've actually had to take them in almost four times oh my goodness because you know she is out there and she is working it and you know and she just keeps changing and and you know it's it's great and it's exciting but you know it's also like okay we have to change it again <laughs> <laughs>
2: What kind of challenges do the weather? I mean, this is—it's so unique to have an outdoor production like this. Like, what kind of challenges do? First of all, does does the weather impact the costumes? And then also, what is it like being dependent on the weather to know if you're even going to have a rehearsal or if you're going to have a show?
1: Well, so in terms of the costumes, you know, it, it's something that you have to pre-plan, um, especially from a cleaning standpoint, because you know they are out there in 105 degree weather and they are sweating profusely. And so what we had to do was, you know, um, we had to really think about this. For, For instance, with the seagulls, we have little feather wings for the seagulls. Well, as soon as you sew those feathers onto the costumes, you can't send it to the cleaners because the cleaners won't take it. So we had to plan to make everything removable so that we could actually send the base costume to the cleaners and get it cleaned and then be able to put the little wings and things back on. And really the same thing with Ursula. We had to make a bunch of her stuff be able to be removed for cleaning. And um, Sebastian, we have him as a little crab, and he has little arms attached to his doublet that he wears. And um, those are made out of things like you know pool noodles and things like that, which with, when exposed to um, dry cleaning fluid would probably simply disintegrate. So we had to figure out a way to be able to take those on and off and so it was It was a huge, like, um, mental effort of how can we pre-plan this so that these are, you know, reusable and maintainable during not only the month-long run of this show, but potentially for a future where other people might want to rent these costumes from uh-huh. Zilker. Because Zilker has a rental business, and uh, that's another source of income for them. And so... You know, we were trying to really look at the long term of how can we make these the best for the company as well as the best for the show.
2: When did you get this job and when did the process start for you? How long have you been, you know, dreaming of Sebastian Claus?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I actually,
2: um, this actually started for me
1: um, at uh, a Christmas party um, that I was at at a friend's house. Um, because I, I kind of, I've known the Zilker people cause I've, you know, I've done little bits and things for them in the past. And, um, the person who's the executive director now, Andrew Canada, is actually, um, ha- uh, married into a, a family of people that I'm quite close to. Um, and so, you know, I kind of knew everybody involved and, um, I did not actually at the time really know that they were looking for a costume designer, but we were talking at this party and they had mentioned that they were looking for a costume designer. And, um, and I'm like, well, you know, if there's anything that I can do for you, let me know. Because, of course, you know, I had done things for them in the past. And um, so basically we kind of kept talking about it um, in December and in January. And um, they talked to other people about me. And um, one of the things that I'm really good at is um, taking something that is kind of you look at it and you think that's kind of normal and figuring out how it can be made into something completely and utterly um, Uh, different you know for instance you know uh, figuring out how to um, uh, take a vest and turn it into something that looks like a little 19th century coat for instance you know taking um, uh, a dress from Goodwill and figuring out how to make it look like a a period dress from a completely different century and my friends who know me know this about me and so that was one of the things that they told the people who were running Zilker is you know this this might be a good fit because you know jennifer can make magic out of nothing <laughs> and <laughs> which is always a good friend to have right <laughs> yeah. well you know it, it's always uh, it's always useful in a thing like this where you know even though the budgets you know, are commensurate to the project you never have enough money mm-hmm. <laughs> or enough time um and so basically we you know uh they kind of sort of hired me in january i did some sketches for them to show them kind of what I was thinking about some of the major characters and they really like them and so then we kind of got the whole contract uh finalized by the end of January and I started the process of you know doing the sketches and hiring people and um figuring out what kinds of you know what the scope of the project was and so basically I've been working on it I worked on it for you know several months um layering it in with other things, um, and then for the last two months, it has been uh, a more than
2: full-time job. Um. <laughs> I can only imagine you are eat, sleeping, and dreaming this production. Pretty
1: much. It's it's funny. Both uh, Virginia and I wake up in the middle of the night with, uh, you know, we, we take these problems home, we sleep on them, and we wake up in the middle of the night going, Eureka, I figured it out. <laughs> and then we talk to each other in the morning and go, I figured out how to make crab legs. <laughs>
2: well now you know it's opening it's about to open it's about to be unveiled to the world how are you feeling right now I am I am
1: so incredibly excited I mean I actually got some sleep last night which (laughs) is kind of magical in and of (laughs) itself Um, but no I I cannot wait to actually have people there and have them just experience how incredibly good the show is I mean it's it's not just my things. My things just magnify the beautiful performances that are happening on stage. i, I we got to see a designer run of this show uh, about a month ago that was, you know, basically in a bare auditorium. and it was just the actors and the singers and the dancers making their magic. And I, I mean, I literally was moved both to incredible laughter and tears because the show is so good. You know, and it's such a thrilling thing for me to, be able to bring what I can bring in and you know make actors fall in love with their character just by what they wear as well as what they're doing you know and so I I cannot wait for Austin to see this because I I think that people are going to love it I think it's going to be one of the most amazing shows that has ever happened in the city
2: for people that have never been out to the hillside theater and are hearing about this for the first time what is that theater like, and what does that theater mean to Austin? Um, well,
1: so I mean, Zilker is amazing because they've been doing shows out there for more than sixty years. You know, it is truly an Austin tradition, and um, it uh, it has its own unique magic because basically the theater is kind of built into this little um, uh, this little circular cir- ah, sorry circular hill, um, and so it's kind of like a natural amphitheater. And so basically, you know, you go out there with your blanket and your picnic basket and your family and you find a spot and you watch the beautiful sunset and then the lights start coming up and the music starts coming up and you are just transported. And, you know, the heat doesn't matter and, you know, nothing matters except that you are in this wonderful world. And uh, it's 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 really... Um, a unique beautiful thing because it's you know one of the few like places in Austin that you can go see a free show and get really professional quality theater you know um the cast was mentioning that they got um a really touching letter from a uh from a patron last year who uh was homeless and had been able to bring their kids and uh sorry I'm tearing up because um, it was really a beautiful thing, um, had been able to bring their kids and feel like they were normal for the first time in a long time. And um, so it's just, um, it's truly, it's truly something special, I think, for this community.
2: How long have you been in Austin?
1: Um, so I actually came down here in the late 80s to go to, to um, UT. And of course, I kind of never left because <laughs> that's what Austin does, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> they just attract you and they don't let you go. Um, But, you know, I I got lucky and while I was here, I met my husband uh, in college and, um, you know, just managed to kind of make a niche for myself doing a number of different things. I started out actually doing graphic design, which was my degree. And, you know, worked in a, um, a computer game company, actually, for years and years and years. Also and, an Austin thing to do. Uh, yes, it was. And it was, uh, I worked for Richard Garriott uh, and Origin Systems. and Oh, wow. And it was actually really fun because I used to make, um, I used to make clothes inside the computer game. And now I make clothes for theater.
2: Oh. <laughs> Perfect segue, right? Yeah. <laughs> what are some of your favorite Austin things to do? And what do you love about living here? Um. That presupposes that I actually get to do anything besides work. Once once the production's over, maybe, getting back to normal Uh, life. um,
1: So uh, I actually have a seven-year-old now. So a lot of the things that I really enjoy are places like Central Market, where you can go have a beautiful meal outside and your kids can play. And you can just kind of have a wonderful night out that's not very expensive, uh, but, you know, has a lot of character and fun um i really enjoy a lot of the so our little neighborhood uh is kind of north of austin and they they do all kinds of little mini festivals um and uh i really enjoy that about both our neighborhood and about austin in general is how many little um uh celebrations they have of different elements of austin culture um and um for actual places I'm trying to think of actual places that I go um most of it is just you know supporting my friends in life theater um one of our, one of my favorite places to go is actually the vortex and the butterfly bar um I don't know if you've ever been there but it's kind of like the local theater people's hangout and uh they have really good food and really good drinks and really good theater and so I spend a lot of time there
2: just as a final question you know if Someone is trying to make their plans for the summer and um, is deciding, you know, okay, it's hot, there might be traffic, I'm not sure. Why would you tell them they need to come on out and see this production?
1: Um, so there, is a lot, there are a lot of things you can do to beat the heat. Um, you can come out early and set down a blanket and then go jump in Barton Springs, which is literally right across the road from where we are. Um, and um, you know, you can bring your food and drinks with you and really as soon as the sun sets... The heat goes down by about 10 degrees out there, and there's a really nice breeze. Um, you know, I would just say come see it because it's it's going to be incredible. I mean, it really just is. Uh, I don't really say that about every show that I work in, but this one I have no reservations. I can just say y- you will kick yourself if you don't see this show.
2: And that, I think, is all anybody needs to know. I've already <laughs> got my uh, ideal spot picked out on the hill, and we know it's been an incredibly busy eight months and especially week for you. And we cannot thank you enough for coming by. Cannot wait to see it. thank you.
1: It's such a pleasure. And let me know when you're going to come out and I'll come say hi. (laughs) Yes,
2: please do. (laughs) That's our show. Thanks for listening. And thanks to our sponsor, Copenhagen Furniture. Check out the Austin 360 Instagram and Facebook for more about life in Austin. And talk to us on Twitter at LoveAustin360. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find our podcast. I love you so much. The Austin 360 podcast is a production of the feature staff at the Austin American Statesman. This episode was produced by Alyssa Vidalis. Our theme music is from local band Hard Proof, which you should definitely check out at hardproofmusic.com. You can find everything you'd ever want to know about this show and its contributors at austin360.com loveaustin360. And if you want to pitch an idea for a show or give us feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin 360 statesman.com. We couldn't do this show without you, dear listeners, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears, your comments, and your bejeweled tentacles. Until next week, we'll see you on a blanket on the hillside.
0: Since 1983, Copenhagen Modern Furniture has showcased Austin's largest collection of fine contemporary furniture and accessories. Now at Copenhagen, save $500 on any stressless signature or leg comforter recliner model. For more ways to save, shop online at copenhagenliving.com or visit the showroom on Breaker Lane. Copenhagen Modern Furniture, Austin's premier destination for everything contemporary since 1983. Three.